turn to Psalm 4. Psalm 4. We want to look tonight at this aspect of where does pain push you? Wednesday night, they alluded to and dealt with it briefly, this aspect of um, Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 were an morning and evening psalm that David wrote when through one of the many valleys that he went through, but perhaps one of the most um, severe valleys when his own son Absalom was leading a rebellion against him. And David, as king, was hiding in a cave. And from that, he had with him some loyal followers. But from that, he penned these psalms. And there is much that we can learn from this. And in understanding... If we understand how many passages of Scripture were really written from very, very difficult times in life, if we realized how many songs that we sing were written as a result of some deep, deep waters that God took people through, and they were able to come out the other side and write about the grace of God, and write about the provisions of God. And um, Psalm 4 gives us some indication how David responded from this, and we're kind of just carrying on and adding to a little bit what um, how people change brought out on Wednesday night. But If we took the time tonight for individuals to share some of the pain that they have experienced in life, our hearts would break. Life is very, very painful because of the curse because of sin, sometimes because of nothing that we chose, but it's just life. Sometimes we've made it very, very painful because of choices that we have made. But life is hard. And each of you have Uh, accounts that you could give of painful, painful um, times or experiences that you've gone through. And some of you might even now be experiencing a very painful, difficult time in your life. And pain can be something that pushes us in a direction that we respond to it in one way or another. Pleasure is another thing. Pleasure has a pull on us and and can push us one way or another, or we allow it to. People also can have a push and a pull on us. And we talked this morning about relationships with people and, and so on. But 
if you haven't had something very painful in your life, um, there's a very real chance you will have in life. I'm just not trying to be a downer, but there are many, many difficult things in life because we're dealing with people, we're dealing with relationships, we're dealing with miscommunication, we're dealing with sin, and as we said already, the curse, and we're dealing in in a fallen world. I mean, think of, I haven't paid much attention, all I know is secondhand news, but think of the pain of earthquakes in Japan and Ecuador. Um, Martin said that uh, Uruguay is getting hurricanes and tornadoes and floodings. He said, we never get hurricanes or tornadoes in Uruguay. I mean, those are just some things that happen like that. But many of you have experienced um, sudden changes in your life that were very, very painful. How do we respond to that? And it is easy in the midst of those to get carried away. But as we look at Psalm 4, notice David's first response, verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Number one, do not run from God or do not forget God. Rather, run to God. What is the first thing you do in crisis? Um, Our natural response can be to internalize it. We just bear it and we just buck up and say, I'm going to... I'm going to bear this and we can internalize it. Oftentimes it may be that that we just have to go talk to a friend. We just have to go talk to someone else or tell others about it. I mean, we all respond differently. But as believers that have the Spirit of God dwelling within us and the grace of God to empower us, there will be times you don't feel like going to God, but we must run to Jesus. David did not question God's faithfulness. He did not bitterly rehearse how the promises and principles of Scripture seem to fail him. He did not waller in, how could my own son that I I have trained and, and brought up. How could my own son do this? And why is this happening to me? He went to God in prayer and cast his care upon him. And understand, this is very, very difficult at times because our nature wants to run away from God because we think, God, why did you bring this into my life? I didn't want this. I didn't choose this. And Satan really sees this as an opportunity to put a wedge between 
God and us. In trials, it is tempting to doubt God's goodness and turn away from Him in discouragement. I mean, these difficult things happen to good people, to people that are are trying to seek the Lord and, and trying to obey the Lord. And it's easy then to say, what good was this if trying to fight the fight and and run the race? What good is it if if this is going to happen? And and I, it's very easy for us then to turn away from God and and think I don't I don't sense God's presence with me. I don't realize Him being with me and and this promise. I prayed this and. The exact opposite happened, and but even in the midst of that, when it's hardest to pray, that's when we need to pray the hardest. When we're tempted to turn away from God, we must turn toward God and understand He is our only hope. No friend can minister grace to us. God can use them, but it, our first cry, our first response, even though our mind and our body and our emotions might be shouting against it, is, I have got to get to God. I have got to get to the throne of grace to find mercy to help in this time of need. And David he ran to God. He he would have, humanly speaking, had every reason to just pack it in. But he cried out to God. And we see, he goes on and he continued, verse 2. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Notice throughout this, he's he's bringing us back to putting our trust in the Lord and uh, and saying, the Lord will hear when I call upon Him. But you notice what he says in verse 4, Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart, on your bed, and be still. There is a sense here that David is encouraging us and manifesting in his own life how important it is in the midst of pain to examine our own heart. And it, it begins by asking some questions. What did I do to cause this? In some instances, there was nothing you did to cause it. It just happened. In some instances, there may be things that we did we need to examine if if there's something that I did that caused this, then I need to go back and correct this. 
Um, so we're asking, what did I do to cause this? What sin is this revealing in my life? I'm not saying you sinned to cause it, but maybe God used this in our life to reveal a sin in our own life. I've shared before, um, one of the primary things that comes out to me and an, an example of this is um, God revealed my senior year in high school my sin of loving wrestling more than I love God. And he tried to get my attention through it, but I was stubborn in it, and so it took a dislocated elbow near the end of the season to end that. And right then and there, God was revealing sin in my life. There are painful things, and I don't just mean physical pain. There are painful things that come into our life, and God's using it. We get we get angry about something that didn't go our way, and it, it's a painful thing. And maybe it is... God's revealing a sin that we think we can run our own life or um, have a sense of entitlement. I deserve this, whatever it is. But we need to ask, what sin is this revealing in my life? We need to ask, what way is my heart prone to go right now? Is my heart prone to just clam up and not let anything and anyone in? Is my heart prone to go forget God and go away from Him? Is my heart prone to go to Him? We need to look at our heart and say, where is my heart right now? Which way is my heart leaning? And then to take appropriate actions. Is my heart prone to go my own way? The disciples, when they saw Jesus crucified, and their hopes and their ambitions were diminished, their heart was prone to go back to their old way of fishing and running their own life. And we need to ask, okay, where am I right now? This is a a volatile time in my life, and where is my heart? Which way is it prone to go, and what steps of action do I need to take to keep my heart with all diligence. Trials in life give us the opportunity to know and guard our heart more effectively. These trials reveal our heart. And and honestly, sometimes it's not very pretty. And we may not like it, but it's God in His love doing that so that, that we can walk in victory. So we need to examine our heart. And notice verse 3. He said, But know that the Lord has set apart for Himself Him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to Him. Notice verse 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. In, in verses 3 and 5, He is reflecting on truth. He said, know this. Be reminded of this. Reflect on this truth that God has set us apart. 
We are the apple of God's eye. In the midst of painful circumstances, it is easy to think, God's forgotten about me. I feel deserted. I feel alone. And the psalmist David is bringing us back and saying, I know that the Lord has set me apart for himself. That's set apart in a, in a special sense that, that we are, as we mentioned, the apple of his eye, that we are his child. And, and it, it is reminding ourselves of the, the timeless truths when we went through, um, don't even remember the name of the book, but Jim Berg, he gave us those ten timeless truths that God will always meet my genuine needs and, and God is desirous of forgiving, and God is always up to something good in my life. See, we need to go back to truth. And it may feel like God is not up to anything good in my life, but I know that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven and Romans chapter 8 tell me that God is up to something good in my life, and I may not feel it, and I may not know it right now, I am going back to reflect on truth. I am going back to rest in this truth. Listen, that's all we have and that's all we need. But there will be times that our mind and our eyes and everything tell us otherwise. But we must go back and we must think who God is. Reflect on the truth. Who is God? What is His character? Reflect on the truth. What am I in Christ? We don't have the time tonight, but to go back, I am His child. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am in the palm of His hand. And we could go on and on. But to reflect what I am in Christ in the midst of this. And then to reflect and to rest in the truth. What is God doing in me now? Okay, God, what is it you want to teach me? Sometimes it's not a sin he wants to reveal. Sometimes it's, it's a, an aspect of his character that he wants to reveal to us, that he wants to teach us. God, what is it you are doing in my life right now? And then reflect on the truth. This is what my future is. We must come back and do that. My future is that someday I am going to be where there is no more pain and there is no more sorrow and there is no more difficulty and there is no more bad. And we need to be reminded of this. In the world you will have tribulation, he tells us. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world and the best is yet to come. See, the way you reflect on that, this is where it is the time to be in the Word and to leave off other things. In the midst of the pain, it will be hard and your mind will wander, but we must go to the Word of God. And if you say, I don't even know where to start, start in the book of Psalms. Many of them were written from great, great heartache. But honestly, we're not going to be able to reflect on truth if we ignore the Word. 
If we sit in our own pity party and, and keep mulling over and meditating, how could they do that to me? And I've invested in them and they did this and they betrayed me and, and I thought they were friends and they're joining up with them and, and you keep going over whatever the situation is, you are meditating on the wrong things and it will bring you down and it will bring defeat. But if you come back and meditate and reflect on the truth about God. And honestly, we need to be reminded of it. We need the fresh truth as we read the Word of God. So, reflecting on truth. Then notice verse 6. There are many who say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of Your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increase. So David's saying, there are people around that say, how is any good going to come out of this? Who will show us any good? And what's David do? Immediately he goes to God and he intercedes for them. And he says, Lord... Lift up the light of your countenance upon us. Can, can you imagine David and his men hiding in a cave? How discouraged and disheartened they must have been. And they were saying, nothing good is going to come out of this. No one's going to show us any good. And David responds by interceding on their behalf, and he actively got in and served others. See, all of these things are an act of our will, and in the midst of pain, we think about ourselves, but we need to serve others. God puts things into our lives in creating our life message so that we can share that life message, the comfort that we have received, that we can share that with others. Second Corinthians chapter 1. But if all our focus is, God, remove this from me. God, take this away. God, heal me. If that's all our focus, it's very self-centered focus. The focus ought to be, Lord, teach me what you want me to learn from this. And then allow me to be used of you in others. How can I minister to others? The, the little chorus that is so biblical. Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. But the natural tendency in pain, the natural tendency in a dark valley is to just woe is me syndrome. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll go eat worms, you know? It's, it's just that, woe is me. No. To, to take the opportunity, get the mind, get your mind off yourself. How can I be a blessing to others? How can I serve others? And David here took the time to intercede. And then notice verse eight. This is incredible. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Why isn't David overcome by fear and bitterness and anger and dread? 
because his heart is controlled by God. He hasn't lost one thing that is precious to him because the most precious thing to him was God. And he acknowledges that he can trust God. He will make things right. He alone is all-powerful. He alone is all-knowing. He never sleeps. Let him handle it. The verse says that the Lord gives his beloved sleep. I can, I can remember vividly, and I can remember uh, numerous times of, of going to bed, and my heart is troubled, and my heart is weighed down, and you've been there, you've been in bed, and you can't sleep. And, and I said, God, I can't handle this. I can't do this. Number one, I can't keep going on without sleep. And number two, me laying awake here is not going to change anything. And me bat rolling that over in my mind is not going to. And God, you said you would give your beloved sleep. God, I've got to trust you for this. Would you give me your rest? Honestly. It's not like it's a big thing to trust him. We are, we are finite. We are limited. We don't know diddly. I mean, he knows everything. And we lay there and stew and worry and fret and God says, just give it, I I know every detail about it. I know how this is going to end. And, God loves to see his people rest. You know, um, a parent, sometimes a kid is just nervous that something's going to happen. No, mom and dad are right here. They'll take care of it. And a parent loves to see their kids, okay, I trust you. Some struggle with it a little more than others. God loves to see his children trust him. You know, hasn't every parent walked in and seen that little Tasmanian devil that's been that way all day, and you walk in and you see him sleeping and you think, man, they look so sweet, they look so innocent, they look just, and you think, amen. Thank you, Lord. God loves to see us resting in Him. And He loves to see us trust Him. Everything's all right in my Father's house. Us wrangling it around is not going to help us one bit, in fact, it's going to make us worse the next day. Just ask your family. They'll tell you, okay? Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him, Psalm 37 says, and he'll bring it to pass. If anybody should have rest, it should be us. We can't avoid the pain. 
it will come in life, but how we respond will make the difference between it being something that glorifies God and helps us to grow and something that dishonors God and destroys us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to understand that you are at work in our lives as children of you. Lord, there may be somebody tonight that is experiencing a painful situation. I pray that even as David responded to something that we could not fully imagine, Lord, I pray that we would respond the same way. Whether it be pain or whether it be pleasure or whether it be people, that we would turn to you that we would continually be examining our hearts and reflect on the truth of who you are and what you are doing, that we would actively serve others, and, Lord, that we truly would rest in you. That we would know the peace that passes all understanding. And, Lord, I pray, that as we respond by your grace with you ruling in our hearts, that you would be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.